Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Whiskey Mistress, and it's a show. She knows about whiskey. Hi, this is Debbie Shoker on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? been a fan of American horse racing since I was just a kid, especially the Triple Crown. I wrote school reports about Triple Crown winners, though these days I don't follow horse racing as quite as closely or as exuberantly as I used to, but every year, if, if work doesn't preclude it, I watch the big three races, and you may know this past Saturday was Derby Day, the Kentucky Derby. It's traditionally run on the first Saturday of May, but given the current events, it was duly decided the Kentucky Derby proper would be postponed until the first Saturday in September, September 5th this year. But we were still treated to a quarantine derby. Did you see it? It was a virtual Kentucky Derby that featured all 13 Triple Crown winners pitted against one another. It was a thrilling and nicely done computer-generated imaging race. The clever folks who orchestrated the race used historical information on the horses, known handicaps on each one of them, and some fancy algorithms to generate the likelihood of a winner. And then they generated a really fun CG race for us, the fans. Nope. There was no betting allowed, despite the fact that there were very real odds given on each of the 13 magnificent entrants. But the fans who correctly chose the winner, they were entered into a special drawing for a special VIP experience at the real Kentucky Derby in September. And Churchill Downs pledged to match up to $1 million in donations to virus relief efforts. Ugh. It was a thrilling race, even virtually. Secretariat won, if you didn't see it. And if you didn't see it, I recommend you watch it. It was so much fun. And the jockey, who in real life rode Secretariat to his Triple Crown triumph, he believed that Secretariat was the greatest racehorse who ever lived. No other horse could keep his pace in the Belmont in 1973. He just wanted to run. Yeah. I love horse racing. I got caught up in the thrill and the magic of it long before I found out about some of the sadder aspects of the sport, so don't don't write to tell me what a bad thing it is to like it. But what in the world does this have to do with whiskey? Why, I'm so glad you asked. Woodford Reserve the official presenting sponsor of the Kentucky Derby for some years, I think 21 years now, that's what it has to do with whiskey. And during this unprecedented time, the Derby was only ever postponed one other time since 1875, and that other time was 1945, World War II. During this time, Woodford Reserve hosted a day-long at-home Kentucky Derby party to raise two million more dollars for virus emergency relief efforts. I think that's wonderful. Woodford Reserve master distiller Chris Morris said, and I'm quoting him, 
The Kentucky Derby is not just a horse race. It's tradition, pageantry, and history. And it brings people together from across the globe for the greatest two minutes in sports. Now, more than ever, it is important to preserve that history and keep the tradition alive. Now, I love Woodford Reserve, and not just because of its connection to the Kentucky Derby. That just makes it even more cool. I've always thought it's an exceptional bourbon. It's widely available. You're going to find it at your local Happy Juice store, grocery store. It's it's a ridiculously reasonable 29-ish dollars for a 750 milliliter bottle, and it's really good. You know, I, re- I realize, I really do. I know that most of you have probably had Woodford Reserve bourbon at some point. It's definitely one of the sweeter bourbons, but let me tell you some things about it that you might not have noticed before. First, the aroma. When you nose Woodford Reserve, I would almost bet that you can't quite identify the delightful smell that is so familiar. And no, I don't mean it smells like whiskey, because you know what? It does. I mean, it smells like something very familiar, but you just can't quite put your finger on it. Okay, I'll tell you. And to be totally fair, even I had to have someone tell me. It smells like fresh baked banana bread. No, really, really, it does. And once someone tells you that, and then you smell it, you go, yeah, that's exactly right. It smells like banana bread. And at 90.4 proof, it's plenty hefty, but it's what I've always referred to as an, air quotes, tonsil skipper. It disappears just past the tonsil with nary a burn at all and as pleasant a finish as you could ask. Yep, Woodford Reserve bourbon. That's what the Kentucky Derby has to do with whiskey. The official drink of the Derby is the mint julep, a beautiful, simple, luxurious, tasty beverage. Best one I ever had was in Natchez, Mississippi, but that's a story for another time. Woodford Reserve also produces a beautiful, collectible, limited edition Kentucky Derby bottle each year, and this year's was no different. Just amazing. Every year, the art on the commemorative bottle, it's done by a different artist. And through the years, it's been as simple as a two-color drawing. It has been a, a Leroy Neiman work. And this year, the artist is Richard Sullivan, a former Atlanta Braves player. He's a lefty. I mention that because I care. Oh, and yeah, only left-handed people care. It's kind of like a private club. And I know all you lefties out there are giving me a virtual high five right now. (laughs) The art on the bottle this year, it's absolutely beautiful. The artist, Mr. Sullivan says, and I'm quoting him, I wanted to capture this intense moment of competition that is shared between the human and equine athlete. A moment when everything is on the line, time stops, awareness is heightened, mind and body are one, and anything is possible. I think it's beautiful. And I think what's inside the bottle is worth the price. $49.99 for a full one liter bottle. The the commemorative bottle, it's a one liter bottle. It's not a $7.50. That's why it's more expensive. But, But let's talk about this again in September, huh? And sometime between now and then, 
get yourself some Woodford Reserve bourbon, give it a proper nosing, and yeah, tell me I'm right. Fresh baked banana bread. Last week, I mentioned a whiskey sour. The recipe for which is whiskey and sour mix. And I hinted, yeah, okay, I didn't so much hint as I pretty much said, I would give you the recipe for your own sweet and sour mix. And that's great for making a myriad of delicious and tasty adult beverages. Wait, you say you can get a big economy-sized bottle of sweet and sour mix from your local Happy Juice store, market, or big box store? Well, sure, if you also enjoy the flavor of preservatives and artificial colors in your cocktail. Besides, remember what I've said before. Cocktails are the corollary to good cuisine. You start off with good quality ingredients, you end up with a great product. You start off with crap, and there you go. That's what you have, especially in cocktails. Have you got a favorite bar? One that makes really good drinks, and at some point you either read in the menu, or the bartender or server or, or cocktail server said they use, air quotes, house-made syrups. Yeah, that's one of the reasons their drinks are so good. So what is a house-made syrup? Well, it's just exactly that. It's a syrup or a flavored mixer made right there in the restaurant, and usually by the bartenders themselves, though in a few establishments, it's still prepared by the back of the house staff in the kitchen as part of the day's prep work. But the best part of that is if the bar can make a crazy delicious syrup or flavoring to make your tasty beverage have great flavor, then so can you. No, really, you can. You don't even really need to practice at it. And right now, I'm going to tell you how to make the most amazing, versatile, and most commonly used bar mix, sweet and sour. It's far and away better than anything you're going to find in a store, and you'll taste for yourself the difference. And it's so easy. Four ingredients. I'm going to give you some really easy measurements to use for your mix at home, but just remember these proportions. One. <laughs> yep, with that proportion, you can easily make any volume you'll need, whether it's for a 40-person celebration, a huge party, or just enough for you to enjoy at home for your very own self. The four ingredients you're going to need are water, sugar, just regular granulated sugar, lemon juice, and lime juice. Yeah, that's it. In review, do you remember the proportions? That's right. One. So one cup each. Water, sugar, lemon juice, and lime juice. Now, I, I think it's always best to squeeze the juices yourself, but if you absolutely abhor doing so, then you can usually find fresh squeezed juices in a bottle at your local fresh foods market. And don't ask me which one because I don't know. I squeeze my own juices. But I know other people who do get theirs from the market. Now, as for the water and sugar, we're gonna start by making a simple syrup. But you wanna know a secret? You don't even have to heat it up. Nope. In fact, although a lot of recipes will instruct you to heat the water and dissolve the sugar in it, I'm going to tell you otherwise. I'm going to tell you just exactly the opposite. I'm going to tell you it makes a better syrup if you put it in your blender, the water and the sugar, and blend it. 
for a minute or so. Yep. And of course, I'm going to tell you why this is better. First, you'll find that making your simple syrup in the blender instead of on the stove, what you're going to end up with a, a simple that is slightly more viscous and luxurious, and it's going to impart a much sexier mouthfeel to your cocktails. Not only that, but if you don't heat your water up, you're not going to run the risk of cooking your juices, which is a big no-no. And, and there's really, there's science behind all of this. Now see, you, when you make your syrup on the stove, the heat breaks down the sugar, the sucrose, into simpler fructose and glucose molecules, thus a less dense mouthfeel compared to making it in your blender. And trust me, the sugar will dissolve in the water in your blender with the agitation. And after you let it sit for a little while, you'll have a beautifully clear, luxuriously thick, delicious, and perfectly sweet simple syrup. To that, add your cup of fresh lemon juice and your cup of fresh lime juice. And if you don't like the pulp in your mix, I do because I think it shows that it's fresh squeezed and it also give loads of, gives loads of flavor too. But if you don't like the pulp, you can always strain your juices before mixing them into your simple syrup. And voila, you just made sour mix for your very own self. Ah, but you know what? Here's another secret. Add to your sour mix two-thirds of a cup of fresh squeezed orange juice and you have a margarita mix ready to go. Just add tequila. You don't even need to add triple sec. Yeah, see, I learned that when I worked in a fancy Mexican bar a billion years ago. But back to the sour mix. Remember the rule of one. Equal parts, water, sugar, lemon juice, and lime juice. Make your simple syrup in the blender, not on the stove, and then add your juices. And what to do with it? Well, you could start by making a delicious whiskey sour for yourself or any one of your nearest and dearest, and even other people. So into a rocks glass or highball glass, you want to pour one and a half to two ounces of good whiskey, whatever, whatever it is that you happen to enjoy. And then add one and a half to two ounces of your delicious, freshly made sweet and sour mix. Yep, that one. And then fill the glass with ice. The, the adding of the ice, it's going to agitate the drink so you don't even have to stir it. And don't forget to garnish it with a cherry. Preferably a Luxardo or Filthy Cherry instead of a Maraschino. But if you must use one of those beautiful bright red globes, go right ahead. The sour mix that's going to keep in your fridge just like any other fresh juice. Dude, you can even make a mocktail. Replace the whiskey in the whiskey sour with ginger ale or ginger beer. There are some great ginger beers out there right now. And no, ginger beer does not have alcohol in it. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Interested in advertising on this show? Please contact Believe at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. Hey, this week I want to tell you all to be safe. As things start to open up, um, I'm going to keep my opinions out of it, but I want you all to be safe. So please do. Stay well. Be safe. Um, stay home if you can. Yeah, there's my opinion. <laughs> uh, I wanted to update you on this uh, internet virtual whiskey 
tasting that I've been contracted to do. A very nice man by the name of Tony contacted me several weeks back, and he said that at some point uh, a year or so ago, he had met me. And during this time of quarantine, he wanted to get together virtually with his buddies and have a whiskey party and would I orchestrate it? And I said, yeah. So I think we have finalized the menu, the whiskey menu, and I wanted to share that with you. We are going to start off with the Bushmills 16-year single malt Irish whiskey. Now, a lot of you probably may be familiar with Bushmills, the white label, but the 16-year single malt is a completely different creature. It's amazing. We'll talk about it sometime. We'll follow that with the Teeling Single Grain Irish Whiskey. And last week we talked about Teeling and we tasted their, their flagship whiskey, but this is a different expression. Very, very nice. The third whiskey we're going to do there is going to be Two Bar Bourbon. It's a craft bourbon from America, obviously. It's a bourbon. Uh, two, the number two, and the word bar, Two Bar. The fourth whiskey on the list is the Glenfiddich 15 year single malt scotch whiskey. It's one of my favorite single malts. Uh, it's got this, uh, this Granny Smith apple thing going on that I really like. The fifth one is a really interesting one. I'm going to have to take some time one day and tell you about this one. It's a little hard to find now and surprisingly, be surprised, it's an Indian whiskey. It's called Amrut, A-M-R-U-T, Amrut single malt intermediate sherry and the story behind it is just fascinating and when I had the privilege of reviewing this one several years back it was the best whiskey I tasted that year so I definitely wanted to include this in Tony's whiskey party I was going to end it with the Green Bar Slohan Sixwood Single Malt. That we, we talked about that one early on. I think I reviewed it um, in one of my first few podcasts here. And it has become one of my all-time favorites. And I like to share my all-time favorites whenever possible. So I wanted to make sure that Tony and his buddies would be able to enjoy that very special American craft whiskey from right here in L.A. And then... But Tony was happy with all those choices, but he wrote to me and he said, you know, Deb, I noticed that you didn't have any rye whiskeys on the list. And me and my buddies, we, we kind of like rye whiskey. Do you want to add a rye whiskey into the mix? And, and so I said, okay. And the one I chose is also a little hard to find now. It was a limited edition. But the Laws Sicali rye bottled in bond the laws sicali bottled in bond rye it's one of the best rye i've tasted and i thought it was probably one that tony and his friends had not experienced before when i when i do whiskey tasting events it's really important to me i try very hard to bring to the event whiskeys that people probably have not tasted before so that it's a so that it's a a, a lovely new experience for everyone so, I will keep you up to date once we get a, a proper date set for this, uh, this virtual party. I don't think I'll do Zoom. It'll probably be either Google Hangout or Skype. But if you'd like to do a virtual whiskey tasting party with the Whiskey Mistress, please be sure and drop me a line at believeinthewhiskeymistress at gmail.com. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, in the whiskey, whiskey with an E, mistress, 
at gmail.com. And finally, I have a question. I had a question from Derek in Michigan. Hey, Derek, thank you for asking. Uh, I haven't told you the question yet. Thank you for asking me a question. Thank you for writing. Uh, Derek says that when I, when I gave the recipe for a Manhattan, the Manhattan cocktail, I emphasized that it should be stirred and not shaken, and he wanted to know why. Derek, that's a really, really good question. I taught bartending for a number of years, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't teach at uh, one of those, one of those places where you go for two weeks and they wave a magic wand and go poof, you're a bartender. I taught at a bartending academy that was very highly respected, had very stringent requirements, and one of the things that we taught very specifically is you stir a martini or a Manhattan, you do not shake it, and there's a reason. Next time you're at A, B, C, D, E, F bar or restaurant or whatever, take a look at their martini glasses. I guarantee you those are going to be a five or a seven ounce martini glass. And there is no way anybody's going to pour you a, you know, a Manhattan is primarily whiskey. And nobody is going to pour you a five or seven ounce shot of whiskey. So what they do is they shake it to fill the glass. Alcohol burns through ice like crazy. So when you shake that martini, when you shake that Manhattan, what you are doing is diluting it so that the extra water that's melted off the ice creates volume that will fill that martini glass. Because very often, restaurants are not stupid, bartenders are not stupid. If they send a martini or a Manhattan to a table that isn't full, it's going to come back and the guest is going to want to know where the rest of their drink is. So that's what they're doing. They're shaking it to fill the glass. But what they're doing when they shake it, if they're diluting it, you're losing flavor. That's why if you stir the Manhattan, also a martini, but we're talking about a Manhattan. If you, can you tell I'm very passionate about this? <laughs> um, if you stir a Manhattan, you get the proper dilution, the proper agitation, you get the proper mouthfeel and viscosity in the cocktail, but you don't lose flavor. You don't dilute it. So <laughs> I hope that was the answer to your question. Um, I, I keep wanting to sell t-shirts that say date a bartender. It gets bigger when you shake it. <laughs> Picture of a bartender holding his, his cocktail shaker and he's, he's shaking it. Um, eh, but it's true. So thank you very much. That's, that was the answer to that question. I hope you're having a great week. Write to me. Send me a line. Ask me a question. Correct me. Comment something. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Join me next week on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress right here on the Believe Podcast the Network. Whiskey Mistress, and it's a show. She knows about whiskey and stuff, you know. So don't miss this mistress's show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.